Hola, hello, bienvenido, and welcome. My name is Annette Perel. I'm a proud Afro-Latina of Panamanian descent and a doula for over 17 years and mom of a son. I created this podcast to help connect people to other Black, Latino, and Indigenous people in the birth field. I also want my listeners to hear birth stories directly from the parents who experience them. Welcome to the Clear Birth Podcast. I think if you start from home birth, you already know you're giving yourself the best option to have the least amount of unnecessary interventions and to know if you are transferred, it is that you did need something the hospital had to offer. This is no way bashing people that choose hospital birth, but when you go to a hospital, you are open to other, the other interventions because you're there and because they have them. On today's episode, I'm speaking with beloved home birth midwife, Martine Jean-Baptiste. In my 17-year career, I had the pleasure of attending one home birth with her, and I wanted to have her on this episode to find out more about her journey and just to understand how she got into midwifery, coming from a hospital setting into a home birth setting, and now currently running FAM, which is the Foundation for Advancement of Haitian Midwives. I hope you enjoy this episode and her journey. Good morning, Martine. I want to welcome you to the show. Good morning, Annette. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm going to start off with just some questions. Uh, the first question is, what career did you want to do when you were in grade school, high school, and college? Um, I always kind of was attracted um to health and health care, but I do remember um, when I got to college taking sociology, and I thought I really wanted to be a sociologist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, and, and anatomy and physiology and other things. That I was like, can I just take more into sociology? And I realized, I was like, well, maybe that's not really what I want to do, but mm-hmm. it, you know, will play a role and be handy um, in uh, when I move, you know, towards yeah. health care. What was it that attracted to you to sociology? I just really like to try to understand how people understand the world. <laughs> yes. I found that fascinating when I took a sociology course of like the perception of the world and how things often like change your perception of your world and and how so many people can see it differently in one aspect. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. And I feel like um, my, my drew from that too, this help you just live. Yeah. <laughs> live exactly. And, and try to understand people and being a midwife, um, I said so much more than that. And you need to have those kind of skills and that kind of background and knowledge also. So you said too, that you were always drawn to health. So what was it about health that attracted you? Just, just, the way the body works and, you know, it can heal itself and, or not, it was just kind of a little interest. Um, my mother's mother is from a real small town in the South of Haiti called Bene. And she was like the town healer. The first time I went to Haiti, I was nine. And, oh my God, did I guess. <laughs> you know, you know, oh my God. By the time we, you know, um, went down to the South and was with her, I was like with a fever, like I felt I was just going to die. Mm-hmm. And I remember her bringing me some green concoction and I was telling my mother, don't make me drink that. Don't make me drink that. And I was cured. <laughs> wow. wow that's... My mother, when she moved to the, uh, my mother was, uh, 
what used to be called a baby nurse. Mm. And then when she went to the States, she went, you know, working for a bank. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, came here with four kids. So. But, um, and just, I, I just was always kind of a little bit fascinated by the whole idea. Oh, okay. And so I got into, and I also know I don't like to be stuck in anything. Mm-hmm. So I did become a nurse because I knew there were lots of avenues within that career that I could take and things that I could do as a nurse. Yeah. So that's what um, kind of attracted me to become a nurse first. Yeah. Okay. And then, so how long were you a nurse before you decided to go into midwifery? 11 years. 11 <laughs> but years. But I, I like maternal child health. Mm-hmm. Everyone said, you know, which was very true. Not everyone is not just pregnant. That's you know, true. You, before you get pregnant, you, you have other things. So that everyone's like, you should work, you know, med surge. Uh, so try to get background experience. And then my first job I did um, take as a med surge nurse, mm-hmm. which was lovely. I had a lovely group that I worked with. I had a very encouraging black supervisor uh-huh. and her supervisor was black. That's and important. And just kind of having those role models was fabulous for me. But I got sick of being with sick people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we would, you know, show up sometimes and be like so thrilled. We'd say like, oh, you know, out of my 10 patient assignment, I have two walkie talkies. Like <laughs> walkie talk. Yeah. And then I know this is not what I want to do. I'm bringing, you know, people down to the morgue and there's another oh. element that I, I really would rather. And I knew I wanted to do maternal child health. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, I um, only planned on staying for like a year, but I we had such a good team that we worked with. Yeah. Even to this day, I'm still really good friends with other nurses I worked with. Um, and so then I said, I you know, I have to keep going. And then mm-hmm. I went into uh, maternal child health and worked as a labor and delivery nurse. Mm-hmm. Um and then at that time, they started doing what was called cross-training, mm-hmm. which some people that were there for a long time were resistant, but me being newer, I, I loved it. So we used to rotate. I was predominantly labor and delivery, but we had to also work in postpartum and work in the newborn nursery. And I have to say, I did like labor and birth more. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked postpartum second best, and nursery, I detested. <laughs> I <thought laughs> the most... The, bizarre thing in the world i'm like their mothers are down the hall why why are they all screaming at me at the same time i can't pick them all up yes. i can't take care of them and then you when we used to have the poor little border babies that were you know a uh, social hold mm-hmm. or you know um whatever uh issues that their parent the mother had like you know i felt sorry they only touched or or their diapers are changed, or yeah. they're fed. Yeah, so I, I guess now it's, they can't find me now. But I used to take sheets, sheets, mm-hmm. and make a holder. Mm-hmm. Can we hold? Because uh-huh. I work night. Yeah. So if the supervisor was coming, I could run, you know go this yeah. way. They wouldn't see that I had the baby on me, oh. so I'd like carry the babies around. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> that is amazing. It is incredible. It's an incredible story. I remember my nephew when he was. Um, Two, they thought he had meningitis and I, we, he was in Harlem Hospital and we went and I remember passing by a room and there was a baby and she could not have been any more than like a year and a half. And the crib looked like a cage. 
because it had a top on it. And she was screaming. And I got there and I, my sister, I went to her room and my nephew was sleeping. And I just kept hearing this baby scream and hearing this baby scream. And I just remember I walked into the room because nobody was coming. And I walked into the room and I just started stroking her hand because at first that's all she would let me. And she was like trying through the screen and then, I, I mean, through the bars. And I remember just like calming her down by just touching her. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, no one has touched this little girl all day. And like, I don't, you don't know the story, but just, I spent as much time. You can't. You can't. Yeah, you can't. And, and it, it, it just, it was heartbreaking to me. It was like, I think I stayed in her room for about an hour before a nurse came in and was like, what? What And I was like, I just wanted to calm her down. She was crying, you know, and, and, yeah. So I can't, I can't yeah. imagine being a nurse at night and have all these babies and you're just like, this is what they need. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. And then from there, how long did you stay there? And then you went into midwifery. Instead of working my year in med surge, I wound up staying three years. And I was like, <laughs> I like these people, but I have to like leave. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. And then I um, went and did med surge, uh, sorry, uh, labor and delivery for about five years or so. Okay. And then I, at the time, I uh, the hospital I was working at was a, a small community hospital. It was newer. Mm-hmm. They had no residents. It was run by midwives. So that was another good, you know, flustered of midwifery and introduction to midwifery uh-huh. uh, to me. Although I was first introduced to midwifery when I was a college student. Mm-hmm. Uh, some class we had, and we visited maternity center that was on the east side, the freestanding birth center uh-huh. that um, had been on the east side, which is put up as a pilot project that lasted um, way beyond that for out-of-hospital birth and midwifery care. And um, just going there, then I wind up starting to use them for my GYN. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. And then, so when I worked uh, at this community hospital, it was just really run by midwives. And so I got to taste midwifery okay so when i was working there too i um also um did training to become a certified childbirth educator Mm -hmm. and also used to teach childbirth classes which was really nice so i did private classes Mm -hmm. and i did group classes and i also was able to teach not just for myself but i also went at um which is no no longer in existence at lich so i got the whole spectrum of New Yorkers mm-hmm. to kind of came mm-hmm. to some, you know, these huge classes where everyone's intimidated, put their hand up. I remember one time there was only this one man that would ask questions <laughs> to the whole class. And afterwards, everyone wanted your attention to actually separate because they were yes. you know, afraid to speak out in class. Yeah. And then to teaching private classes. And then sometimes I would even do home private classes for mm-hmm. people. Is that was a time when everybody was on bed rest with preterm yes. birth, so they had no sense of community, and we didn't have this big internet mm-hmm. um, age. It was like connecting other bedridden people to have telephone buddies, and yeah. you know things like that to try to make you know build a sense of community, community. that they weren't getting because they weren't you know um, going out too much. Um, and then I um, I started there at eighty nine to 95, 96. So around that time, just people started doing labor support, which is mm-hmm. now a whole certification of what's called doulas. Yes. And I just thought, like, wouldn't it be cool to go with people when they're having their babies? <laughs> and 
side, like so, you know, then you know, try to make it professional. So I think you know, having a little business card, card. Mm-hmm. which is about his professional labor support. That's <laughs> <laughs> my title. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was, it was, uh, it was really, uh, I really, really enjoyed it because I, till that time, because the way I worked was, um, it was a hospital. It was mm-hmm. a time when they were just starting to introduce epidurals, but um, like I said, it was run by midwives. So. And the bigger, the bigger teaching hospital. When I first started, if they needed like a neonatologist, they would have to come from the other hospital to our our hospital. Yeah. So it was really autonomous. They didn't have epidurals. They didn't have anesthesia for uh, labor. Just for if you had a, a cesarean, they would come. You know, the regular anesthesia, but they wasn't one from our department. So you really saw midwifery mm-hmm. care mm-hmm. <laughs> being done. Yeah. And since then, it has totally changed. It's so not what I started as. So people walked in labor. Yeah, we actually fed people in yeah. labor. They drank. They used the shower. You know, yeah. they were. You know, they didn't do water births or uh, you know out mm-hmm. of hospital, but they were so restricted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a real way to see labor the way labor was you know and even then when it started getting a little crazier and busier sometimes I would say oh god the ship came in you know every room and and then some is filled and you know just honoring being able to just see and honor birth because um we had sometimes a lot of foreigners that would come Mm -hmm. and I felt sorry when when one shift there was crazy i think every new yorker was pregnant and there <laughs> and this poor little woman from mexico had had other kids in mexico at home da 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 put her in a room go you know taking everybody else you come back she's nursing the baby like we're crazy and we're like baby five minutes ago ten minutes yeah ago. what time like, we need the time like I, I'm sure she was thinking, like, why did I come to the hospital, uh, you know? Yes. And I'm here by myself with, if I was back in Mexico, you know, I'd have my family with me. Mm-hmm. They put me in a room. I think about myself. I had my baby. Then they yeah. would ask me questions about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was, but it was a, a, a nice um, entry into seeing birth, like birth happens. Mm-hmm. So, so Not mm-hmm. that they didn't intervene and we didn't have sick women with preeclampsia and, you know, eclampsia and all the other things, but you got to see a little, a little difference of care. And then, so then when I started teaching childbirth classes, when I decided I wanted to do labor support too, um, I feel like all the conservative people would be like, why do we want to do that? And she's like, why are you going to leave? Why are you going to leave? And, and I said, well, if you see me on Broadway for a cup, please put one in a document. I was like, this is the other part that he felt, let him talk about, you know, having chose nursing because I feel like I want to explore it. I wanted to be able to do other things within mm-hmm. what I'm already doing, mm-hmm. you know? So um, I uh, started to do um, labor support and that's when it really opened my eyes to what really was going on in New York. Yeah. It got so it was so medicalized in mm-hmm. so many places, and I was just like, when I used to complain about my job where I was, I was like, oh my god, I didn't know I really had it so good. Yeah, the women had it so good here. You know, it's like it's a given that yeah, you're gonna eat food like you don't yes. have to access for tra- regular food exactly <laughs> unless you had surgery you know like okay yeah. the first one's liquid or whatever but uh, or other things and I was just so taken aback it got to a point where it was really becoming really difficult for me to advocate 
and always be in that role for for people. Yeah. So it, it came to a point sometimes when they would say they were going to you know a certain hospital. If I already had my full of what how many people I felt I could take care of, even if I could probably take care of one, I was like, okay, as long as I could pay my bills, like. Yes. I just can't even stomach going into certain hospitals anymore. Yeah. And then that's when I really, that helped me also figure out that, well, maybe I am ready to take that step because I had been feeling like I wanted to be a midwife, mm-hmm. but I just wasn't ready to cross over yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so in um, doing that, I was saying, I can't, I, I, I could maybe make more of a difference to help more people if I was actually in the midwife in the role of the midwife versus trying to trying to be labor support. Like, no, I don't think she, you know, can we talk about that? I was like, I can't, you know, you that's, yeah. I, it, it's starting yeah. to get not to be, uh, it was just a little too difficult. And I came to also even teaching childbirth education for so long. I started feeling like it was almost, I was a warped record saying the same thing always. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also um, I felt the same kind of feeling like, well, maybe I can, what I believe in, I can help give people if I'm actually the provider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And like leading them to the good classes, the good doula, the, you know, and, yeah. and then taking it so that they don't have all these expectations and learn all these things. And then when they go actually have their baby in the postpartum period, no one's looking out for them with what their intentions were. So yeah. then I decided to pursue midwifery, but it still took me a while. Yeah. I went to um, an orientation at Downstate, mm-hmm. and then I didn't sign up. Then I went, <laughs> went and signed up, and I did a week at Maternidad La Luz in uh-huh. El Paso, Texas, mm-hmm. to see if, like, could I really, with my life uninterrupted, because I knew what midwifery was, uh, could I really, really want to do this? And then I was like, yes, I do. But I knew I didn't want to be a CPM, a Certified Professional Midwife, because I'm a New Yorker, diehard, yes. not even the other boroughs yes. Manhattan, mm-hmm. the center of my universe. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I, I knew I couldn't do that, and I would have to, you know, go back. So then I went eventually to another orientation at Downstate, and then that time I actually signed up and went to school again. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm not getting younger. I better go. But in that interim also, after teaching childbirth classes and just doing labor support, um, maternity center, uh, closed and Elizabeth Seen Childbearing Center. That was a freestanding birth center that was on 14th Street. Had mm-hmm. opened, and when it opened, um, some people contacted me and asked me, "Did I want to work there as a nurse?" So I worked there as a nurse from the time it opened till, and then I worked there as a midwife till, till it closed. So I worked there, and that was another. So nice to see people because yeah. after I became a midwife, my first midwifery job with you know, in a in a city hospital, everyone for epidurals, da da da. I would go to Elizabeth Seaton every now and then. Just I was like, I just want to hear labor song. I just want to hear someone scream out. Yes, that's nice. I was like, I want to hear birth again. Yes. Um, yeah. So I I worked there as a nurse and then I went to midwifery school. And uh, when I applied. Um, at that time, the full-time was two years. Sorry, sorry, the part-time was two years, and the full-time was a year, a little bit more than a year. And um, so I was going to go part-time because I, you know, I could not afford to not work at the same time. Yeah. 
And that year they changed it and made part-time three years. So it was that little decision. <laughs> I didn't budget to be broke for three years. years. Exactly. I'm going to do this. Is this realistic? And I was like, I'm not getting younger. If I'm going to do this, I have to just do it. Yeah. And, you know, but there's a will, there's a way, and you figure it out. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful that I did. And for the education I had, I had marvelous preceptors mm-hmm. and they, uh, because I had been in the birth world, so to speak, for a while. I knew a lot of midwives and things, too. And even, um, you know, in precepting, there's one, one of my preceptors, she was just wonderful. She was like, okay, da-da-da-da-da-da, it's happening. Um, so what's your plan? What are you going to do? What would you do if you were at home? And then I would say, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. She said, okay, now we're at Litch. What are you going to do? Yes. I'm like, okay, oh, okay, okay, Arturo, let's go. Yes, yeah. And so like, always, I feel like I had that strong uh, foundation of both worlds and community helping yeah. me to, because they knew I only went to be a midwife because I wanted to do home birth eventually mm-hmm. and everybody kind of knew that and respected that um, it was so funny sometimes I would be working pe- something would go go wrong and people would be like and you still want to do that home birth stuff I'm like this is why I want to be yeah. <laughs> I like, this, this is exactly why, why I want to do it this is why I, like, I want to do it this wouldn't happen if we didn't do this, this and this to her she probably would be fine right now yeah. so I think um, some people it's not for everybody and I keep saying that and I think sometimes people would shy away from me like friends family or or other people, or lay people inquiring. I'm, I always said, I'm here to offer this service for that those that want it. Yeah. I'm not here to push it. You no. will figure out how to yes. have your baby. Yes. I'm not the natural or die. It's you have to figure out what it, it is for you, just the same as if, you know, I pick uh, a dentist, and I pick this dentist because he gives everybody, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, laughing gas. That's why I go because yeah. I want my laughing. Gas. Yeah. You figure out what you want, you know? Yeah. Um, so, in, in that sense, I think um, sometimes people are, put, are taken aback, but I think it's, you know, people need to have access where for whatever is right for them yes. hospital, home, or birth center. <laughs> And just having more people out there. And I, I feel that that's the strongest, right? Like that is what this is about. It's about choice and option. Like everyone should have a choice to give birth where and how they want to give birth, right? And and I remember when I was pregnant with my son, um, I had said this once before in a podcast. It was, you know, after I was, my best friend was pregnant at the same time with her third and I remember we would go to prenatal yoga together and afterwards everyone's like, what's hospital? What doctor? And I was just like, home birth, midwife. Oh my God, that's so dangerous. And it was like, it was like resounding how everyone, and I was just like, I was like, no, it's not because this is New York City. And if it was dangerous, we wouldn't have it. And also, I don't feel like I want to spend my pregnancy educating you about my choice. Like, this is my choice. I I can tell you that, you know, if I sat there and told you more babies die in hospitals than they do in home birth, you would be like, no, that's not true because, you know, I haven't heard about it. So I I just always remember going like, you know, feeling like we're not educated enough about our choices, uh, some of us, right? And it's like that now with this pandemic, at the height of it, when the hospitals were making these decisions of not having partners or, you know, making these drastic changes. And then there was that huge influx of people who wanted to come to home birth. 
It, I that was insane. Yeah, how was insane. So, so talk a little bit about that. And anything else. And, you know, I still go back to think that um, pregnancy is health, a healthy state. Yeah. yeah, there are things that can happen. So I felt like that was the first thing they should have pulled out of a hospital. But that yeah. doesn't mean home birth or birth center style. There are women that need their epidurals. Yeah. And that's what they were planning. So I feel like they didn't have a voice, didn't have a choice. And it was like, let's take it out and like open birth centers and everybody should go have a home birth. And I was like, how about these other people that walk that fine line? Or they're not ill, but they do need a little bit more monitoring or intervention and they, you know, or, or, or an epidural. We need to figure out and maybe pull it out and set up centers where they can do that. Exactly. And it's so focused on that, like, either you go to the hospital with no support person and get your, your, your epidural and everything else, or you have to go the extreme other opposite that you didn't even want and have a home birth. Having a home birth is not just being physically uh, low risk, it's mentally low yes. risk and having a support system. Yes. And it's invaluable not to have that or not to be able to consciously make that choice for yourself. Mm-hmm. As even people that are in partnership, having children together, sometimes one is more on board than the other. Yeah. And you really need your village, your team, your team to be on the same page yeah. to really be able to accept if you actually do birth at home yeah. or being able to process why you had to transfer, if you had to transfer yeah. and what does that mean and how do you go on, you know? Yeah. And so I think um, those pieces are not addressed. It's not, a, home birth is not a place. Hospital is not a place. It's how do you, it's the whole concept of how you're yes. bringing your child into the, the world, world. And how you mm-hmm. want to be taken care of, how you want your child taken care of. So it's not the physical place in and of itself. Um, and I think people are just too centered on that part. Yeah. And I think it's a false sense of security when you go to an institution, mm-hmm. a hospital or birth center, that you're not taking any responsibility. Yes. Then so it's so much easier for people like they did this to me. They said, but why did you, where was your voice? That would always blow my mind when I would take transfers, you know, that didn't start with me from the time they peed on their stick. Yeah. <laughs> and then, they, you know, and you'll, you'll have the consult and they'll you know, talk about their whole holistic way of living and they don't, they're minimalist and they da 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 da. And then they'll come with a chart that's like this thick. <laughs> and you're like, where was your voice when they did all this to you? Yes, like, exactly. Where was your voice? Like, yeah. you know, you were tested for this, they did this, they did this, and they followed up and had 10 sonograms and you had da da. And like, where was your voice then? You yeah. Know? And it's, sad because I totally understand it. It, it it is intimidating when you know you only have a short time like unfortunately now I'm, I have health insurance to exchange mm-hmm. never in my life I don't give this kind of care yes, <laughs> like, yes. I, I, I'm still waiting to have my new visit with my PCP, you know, you tried to, you know, I picked the family practice yes. the first appointment, December 31st. Exactly. It, like, it takes forever. It comes out like 15 minutes. I said, no, no, but it's a new visit. Yeah. Like 15 minutes. I was like, what are they going to learn about me in 15 minutes as a new client? I yeah. was like, this is absurd. Yeah. This piecemeal care that we, you know, that uh, is the norm here. And, you know, is it's it's shocking yeah and even when you were talking about covid before and i'm afraid of some of the telehealth stuff that has come out of it mm-hmm. is very positive and there's a lot that's going to be very negative yeah uh, not really addressing and really seeing um 
issues. Of course, because, you know, one of the things I, I sit on a, on a conference call once a month with an organization that does centering. Um, and like they have centering pregnancy, centering mothering, but in these hospitals and they talked about some of the concerns of doing telehealth, which people don't think people think, Oh yeah, your doctor can see more people, right? And you're in your home, but everyone's in your home. And how forthright and honest are you going to be if everyone can hear in your home what you're talking about with your physician? So it's like you said, you're, they're not, there's some positive aspects to it, but then there's some other aspects that people aren't taking into consideration. Seeing more doing better work. Sorry. I said seeing more people doing better work. No, exactly. When I look at sometimes, um, uh, how many people I would see in a four hour period when I was a midwife in a, you know, big inner city hospital. And then I had my home birth practice. Like I couldn't possibly do that. No, yeah, and that's the that's that's the my level of forty five minutes an hour. Exactly, <laughs> and that's the level of care that that people are willing to kind of just like put aside as norm, right? Not understanding that you do need more than fifteen minutes to get to to know someone's whole health history and really have a conversation about what's going on if you're really looking to help them heal, right? And process. And I kind of felt like, I felt the same kind of shift happen when the business of being born came out. Everyone yeah. like rushed to home birth. And I remember being a doula and I love, where I loved the, the movie on some aspects, I also felt that there was an element of it that was list, that was missing that people didn't quite understand, right? right? And I would tell my clients were like, I'm having a home birth. And I was like, why are you having a home birth? And they're like, well, cause I'm afraid of hospitals. And I was like, that's not a reason to have a home birth. I was like, right. because if you're having a home birth because you're afraid of hospitals, guess where you're going to wind up in the hospital? Because you're exactly. not, you didn't choose home birth because that's where you feel. Sorry to do that film and doing their research. I think I was a little too radical for them. And I was like, you, I was like you're not even ready for this film anymore. I was like, you need to go to more research and do this. Like, I'm a blurred thing by a tree. <laughs> wow. I'm a blur by the tree. Oh, wow. You know, it's, it's, it was really, it was really interesting. You got the same thing. And even the, the scene about uh, the birth, that's yes. not how, that's, that's not how it that's happens. So, that's not how it happened. She had her own provider. It wasn't the home birth midwife camera. And it, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's not, you know, most people, and a lot of people thought that, well, if anything goes wrong, I could have this provider. And I was like, no, 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 that was for the movie. That, that provider wound up getting in trouble for doing that. I was like, because that's not how it works. You know, and, and you have to really understand the process and how it works. Like I, I often felt like I was counseling people to really pay attention and tune into themselves, right? Because it was always about, well, I'm going to do this home birth, but if things get hard, I can go get my epidural. And I was like, that's not, that's not it either. Right. You know, this, it is definitely a, a, a mindset. Like you mentioned, it, you have to choose it for all of the right reasons. And sometimes partners also, it, and I was like, if your husband's not on board and that's really important to you, you're going to wind up in the hospital or you're going to spend most of your time worrying about him, worrying about you. Like, that's not how this process goes. So when you did your first home birth, what was that experience like? It was lovely. <laughs> I have a picture of her all grown up. Oh, wow. How, 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 many, how old is she now? She's now she's 18. 18. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how was, I mean, as uh, coming from your background 
having worked in the hospital, childbirth educator, and now you come into um, in nurse in the hospital and also then doing, you know, working in the maternity ward. And now you went through the process of of becoming a nurse midwife in that time. When you were when you were studying to be a nurse midwife, you were still taking birth clients as a as a professional labor support. Or no, when I was when I was in midwifery school at Downstate, mm-hmm. I was working at Elizabeth Seaton. Oh, Elizabeth so. Seaton. Okay, right. yeah. So then, your first birth, your first it was amazing. Home birth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. I, mean, I had attended some home births as uh, as a labor support person, but mm-hmm. I, you know, to be a midwife and doing it, it was. It was amazing. I, I I loved it. I felt like I've arrived. This is what I've been wanting to do. Yeah, it, it was, yeah I I love it. And uh, I think especially doing home births in New York is like so 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 special. Yeah. Um, you really meet a lot of people that you would never interact with mm-hmm. just because you don't. You know, there are some New York, I'm a New Yorker that will go to any borough and move around, but there are other ones that it's like you need a passport to go to the Bronx or something. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but I have to say, Staten Island is not some place that, yeah. you know, I know anybody really. So if I didn't have um, that connection, I probably would not, you know, uh, go to Staten Island as much. And I don't, not and I'm not working. But, um, but you really get to meet different people and really see them because mm-hmm. you're seeing them, you're a guest in their home. Mm-hmm. You get to really see what they, how they live, how, what they think, how they feel, you know? So they're more, people are more open um, when the tables are turned and you're not sitting behind a desk yeah. and asking some, uh, asking questions. You're sitting on the couch. Someone recently was telling me about, she was asking so many questions about how people have to prepare their house for, Yes. Remember, this is where they live. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you go into it, you know, it, it is what it is. And this is where, you know, the baby's going to grow up with, you know, this, uh, this, you know, floor around them and everything yes. else. And uh, some people are really dumbfounded to say that sometimes I've never seen the whole apartment or the whole house. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you do the visits wherever they say we're sitting at the kitchen table, we're sitting in the living room or whatever. And sometimes it's the time of the birth is when I, see more of the, the apartment or yeah. the house. And, you know, it was like, you just, this is, it's just the same. You're a guest at someone's house. I don't tend to like people to come to my house and just go down my hole and open my doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. And um, so it's uh, amazing. Like I said, you really get to see so many cultures mm-hmm. and how they live and within their, you know, cultural context, really different religions, and, you know, we know what goes on. This is the other part that I really learned. People are really people. So yeah. these are labels. Yeah. What your religion is, what your culture is, mm-hmm. Zen is, what do you do when your door is closed? Yes, exactly. Behind your closed <laughs> and, door you in your apartment. Yeah, I've got lots of stories on that one. It's yeah. like, okay, so this is this is the real deal. It's like, who, who would have known? Like, yeah. you know, first time I saw, you know, like, um, it's, for instance, Orthodox people that... Um, are totally tattooed yeah. and I would not have even thought about it because you don't even, if you don't know that what you don't know yeah. and not everyone is born into it, just like any, any other religion, but yeah. almost, we almost think 
that it's that way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's so not, or, you know, religious Muslim women that, you know, if you see them in the street, all you see is their eyes. But when you go for your visits, you're at their house, they're wearing jeans, a t-shirt, their hair's dyed, the yes. sun, and they look, you know, totally, you know, so like things you wouldn't even know, you, you make assumptions and you just probably figure they're like that at home all the time. They're like this, or they were born into this religion. They didn't choose to, you know, to convert, Like yeah. you could choose to convert to other things, but people choose to convert to, you know, like, like, so it, it was quite, quite uh, eye opening, quite a blessing. And, you know, I, I love it. It's just such a wide variety of people you could meet in New York. Yeah. I think, I also think too, that, people have a big stigma around transferring. Like if you have a home birth and you have to transfer, like, can you talk through that process a little bit? I think if you start from home birth, you already know you're giving yourself the best option to have the least amount of unnecessary interventions. Mm -hmm. And to know if you are transferred, it is that you did need something the hospital had to offer. This is no way bashing people that choose hospital birth. But when you go to a hospital, you are open to the other interventions because you're there and because they have them. Whereas you're going there because you know you need something. (laughs) And it's a a real different outlook. Um, And that goes from the minute, you know, someone calls for, you know, inquiring, you know, you're screening on the phone. And um, you have a consult with them before you're screening and uh, doing um, risk assessment throughout the whole pregnancy, you know, in labor and birth, the postpartum period after when you come back, you're still screening and doing assessment risk to see if, you know, because I said you can be transferred when you're pregnant during the pregnancy, you can be transferred in labor, the mom or the baby, Mm -hmm. or you can be transit after you've had the baby, everything seemed fine and something else happens, you know, and the mom, baby uh, could be transferred or you go back for a postpartum visit the next day and something's not right. And then you can be transferred. So I, I try to get the clients to understand it. It doesn't really, your goal is your goal and you should have your dream and your goal. Mm -hmm. And then there's the reality of you have to make decisions as it comes and take it as it comes. Yeah. I had someone that I, we did everything under the sun and this kid was just not coming. And so, you know, she's like, okay, we'll, you know, we'll go to the hospital. And when we got there, they were doing everything under the sun. And I felt like they were bending over backwards because she was, you know, transferred from home birth. The, the staff knew me and da, da, da. And then she turned to me, she said, my team, this kid is not coming out of my vagina. Are you going to be okay? Call it already. Call it already. I'm like, okay. Yeah. But, um, so I think when you have people that have realistic expectations, it's yeah. easier. The, is it still hard and disappointing? Yes. Yeah. And what, I think what makes it harder and more disappointing is a term that I really detest. No one says you had a successful hospital birth. Why is it that you have a successful home birth? What's successful about it? Yeah. You What's just had a home birth. You know, why is it? It's not, a, it's not, um, you're not being graded on this. Yeah. Like, yeah. did you have a successful period last month? Like, what, <laughs> what, like, what does it mean? Like, it's just, yeah, it the means nothing. Is yeah. so judgmental and so wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did do a birth with a, 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 a she's a childbirth educator in doula that 
it's been around for a while. And this woman was having a difficult time merely to, you know, birth her baby. And then when she did, she turned around to me, she said, Martine, I think that was a failed cesarean. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. It's true. It is true. There's judging. And I think some of the you're gonna feel anything that doesn't happen, right? Um you do feel disappointment and that should be worked through and talked to. And I think that's what's good about the continuity of care that home births midwives do, that you can process with somebody that actually was there to keep it realistic. Because even as a uh, midwife, sometimes friends and family tell me stories and I'm like, you're missing something because X can happen. There's something. You process this, someone didn't explain what happened or you're, you know, really missing pieces. And I think that's what helps people, feel okay about the experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had people that, um, one woman I shared, her baby was having a real hard tra- time transitioning and we transferred the baby, right? And then, you know, she came back, had another home birth. She's like, I can't believe people are telling me, like, am I crazy because I'm going to plan another home birth? You know, it's like yeah. she couldn't understand what they couldn't understand yeah. and they can't understand the other way. So I think some of the parts that keep making people feel bad is um, that, society doesn't understand or respect her exactly and so it's their stuff that you're carrying and not so much like you've given it up or went past it but you constantly are hearing this and you start feeling like well maybe what i'm thinking is not the norm because everybody else is thinking that you know i did something wrong or i didn't succeed or i should be you know more disappointed or i should you know yeah and you know and i think you know the two um poles the life and death are just so mysterious yeah. still to people mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it, uh, it's hard to really get uh, people to really listen and, you know, not be as judgmental about yes. how people give, choose to, to give birth to the world and how people choose to leave the world. Yeah. <laughs> I, I find that. I find that really fascinating too. When I, I often have to, when I have conversations about home birth with potential clients or clients, and it's just a conversation around, you know, it's choice and option. These are the choices. I chose this. You chose something different. Or even going into the hospital and and having doctors question me as to whether or not I do. I do um, home birth or they'll say, oh, I can't imagine this at a home birth. And I and I'm just like, you know, this is such an inopportune time to bring that up. And also because I want to turn to them and be like, do you want to have a conversation with me about it afterwards? We can go have coffee or we can talk at some other time so I can educate you about home birth. But this is not going to happen at a home birth. And you aren't even educated enough about home birth. You're just even based off. Like you don't know what you don't, don't know. know. And you're fearing what you don't know. No, yeah. The, the perception um, without trying to learn more is yeah. the where you're judging and saying it as an authority when yes. you don't have the experience or the knowledge about um, uh, We had, when I worked at the birth center, when it was kind of taken over by St. Vincent's and all these politics, the, the director at the time wanted to, you know, him to be told every time someone came into the birth center. Because I, I thought about how bizarre that was. Yeah. Then I said, on the other side, they only see who you transferred. They don't see them, all the people you triage, yeah. all the 
burst that happened at the birth center. Mm-hmm. And then, then when he saw it, how much we were doing over, you know, across the street, then he was like, oh, my God. And the same, like, well, I said someone with usually pediatricians didn't even ask for the baby records, but I, there were orders available to if they, you know, to take to the pediatrician. This pediatrician asked for the, the, the records and they gave him and they're like, oh, she did all that. Yeah. I'm like, we can show up, like, we catch the baby's like, oh, okay. it's cute, bleeding, exactly. I'm out. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> she did, she did a newborn screen. She did, um, you know, the... Yeah, the, measurements, the ointments. She, she did the weight, she did, yes. you know, she did an exam, she came, you know, full newborn exam, she came back and did another one, you know, and they're, like, totally blown away. Like, yeah. so, but you don't know, you don't know. And when birth did, I, I do remember, um, she was having, I think, uh, I I think it was her fifth or something. And she was a pastor's wife and she had a teen in her church that was pregnant and, you know, not knowing so much. So she invited her to the birth. Then, you know, me and my business uh, partner showed up. She was like, you're midwives. And then I was like, what did you think we we're going to look like? Yeah, exactly. you know, I was like, what is your perception? I was like, I think I do own a prayer at Bergen's Slack somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I had beads and flowers and, <laughs> and incense, you know. I think they think. You remember years ago when there was like um, of like pictures of like a midwife, what I do versus what they think I do, and it was like all of these other things, and the same with doulas. Yeah, they, they have these ideas of like who show who's going to show up and what they're mm-hmm. going to do, and even even when I'm in the when the in the hospital, I, I remember telling a. a a doctor one time, they're like, oh, this is, this would be awful at home. Like it was messy. And I was like, this doesn't happen at home. I was like, there's no, there, there's not blood on the walls at that's, home. That's no messy concept. Exactly. I don't get I it. Because like, like, I, I always tell my clients, like, we are housekeeping and I don't like to clean. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, exactly. It's so very messy. Exactly. You have disposable stuff, but it's not exactly. all, all that in there's the hospital. Like, People are disrespectful, I think, of housekeepers. So they just feel like they could just fling and do and throw you know, things everywhere. I, I find like, yeah, sometimes in hospitals. I feel like you're trying to be extra neat. You're in someone's home. You're in someone's mm-hmm. home, exactly. And I and I find myself sometimes in hospitals when blood is on the floor, like afterwards, and they're like, leave it. And I'm just like, you're walking through that and you're walking. I was like, no, I'm not going to leave it. And I'll put something down and clean it up. And I was like, I don't want to walk through that. This is someone's bodily fluid. This is, you know, this is a life source. Like, no, I'm not, they they don't, they don't have the same concept of it. I think you're right. No, it's, it's yeah, really, yeah. it's really, and, and I'm glad, I like the way you, you, you framed transferring for these reasons and you chose home birth with the reality that something could happen and you would need something more that we couldn't get at home. And I, I, I feel that a lot of people have this perception of home birth as like, it's, it's like an episode of ER, you know, when it, all of a sudden everyone's running to the hospital. And I was like, that is not that is not the level of care that most, you're going to get. Most of them aren't so non-emergency. They know this kid is not coming out. The number one transfer reason is a baby that is just not moving yeah. down the pelvis. And the contractions sometimes are not um, sufficient enough to do it. And the baby's in a, you know, a odd position that you've done all your tricks to try to jiggle the kid into a better position and you know the parents know that you've been thinking about it, they've been thinking about it that and then they know that they're going to pack up getting you know your toyota and you're going to drive to the hospital yeah and yeah the other part is 
if they were planning to go to the hospital and were really waiting for what the good time to go to the hospital, that's probably when they would be going to the hospital. hospital. Exactly. <laughs> the kids still not coming. Exactly. <laughs> and I like, I like, uh, you know, uh, it's unfortunate. I only had one birth experience with you as a doula. Um, and it was, it was incredible. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> time after we reconnected, I was like, it took me a time. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I think was that perfect. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you, don't, you can't talk to each other. Yeah, we, yeah, we weren't really talking, and it, and also, I mean, our she was a rock star. Anyway, it was like we we arrived, and she was like almost fully dilated, you know. And and I remember after the birth, I don't recall if it was at. I think it was after the birth we were talking about, you asked her a question and I had been to many home births and I had never had a home birth midwife ask this question. And you said, what did you learn about yourself? And I was so floored. I remember going, yes, that's right. It's, this is your experience and, and empowering them to take that back. Whereas most of the time, everyone's just talking about all the aspects of the birth. And, but yeah, all those aspects, but she didn't, you know, even I, I had a home birth, my home birth midwife didn't ask me that, but, um, it was just like the whole. I used to like to ask, yeah, what, what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about your partner? Yeah. What would you do the same? What would you do differently? And let them process that answer or not answer, but it's good conversation that you planted the seed of these are the things that to, that you need to process and talk about as a family now yeah, with me or without me. And then also how the answers uh, get different. The perspective changes when you ask somebody that just had a baby, when you go back, you know, a couple yeah. of days, when you see them at six weeks and then just seeing how they transition and kind of incorporate their birth into how they're going to mother or how yes. they're going to live um, is really interesting to see it unfold. Yeah. And just so you know, I'm not mentioning that client's name, but I, I sent her a message that I was going to be interviewing you. And she said, she told me to tell you hello. And she also said, if I get pregnant again, will you two be my dream team? And I said, <laughs> I said, most definitely I'll be there. I said, but we'll be coming a lot sooner next time. <laughs> it was the right time. No, it was the right time. Definitely. Right time. I always feel like, you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes someone births a baby that quick. And I was like, always think, weren't you glad you weren't planning a hospital birth or yeah. you would have had a, you know, real tight birth? Yeah. So yeah. Like, it's hilarious when, you know, baby delivered on the side of the road by EMTs. And I'm like, no, the baby the came out. Yeah, That's the baby came out. EMTs. Like, EMTs. Yeah. If you're there for, but they come out. You exactly. Know? EMTs yeah. do not deliver babies. Baby. I, I'm always, I'm always amazed at how I tell people often how little EMTs EMTs know about birth. They just put their hands there. I love how they give the EMT credit. And it's like, no, mom birthed that baby. The baby was yeah, coming. Exactly. They just did there. But yeah, so that was great. Thank you. I mean, you 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 touched on all of the things that I was going to get at. And remember the questions I said that I would have that, um, that and you were like, don't give me any hard ones. I was like, you already hit them because it just was a nice conversation. The next segment that I go into is called Daily Inspiration. And my first question is, what is your favorite scent? Holy wood and lavender are my favorites. Oh, nice. A lavender is one of my I favorites. Know. The holy wood? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. 
Yeah. Now my building it went has gone smoke free, and you, they say you can't even burn incense. So it's like really. I just look at my sticks and go like, I can't even burn this. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I like, didn't. It's total smoke free now. I used to love to burn my you know, Hollywood. Oh no. Yeah. That I think we haven't quite gotten there. We're supposedly smoke free, but in my building, but you still smell smoke. So do we. Yeah. Then yeah. I think, well, people still smoke cigarettes. And exactly. Other. Like, I could burn I, my. It smells good, but I was like, I don't want to get kicked out. Yeah. No, <laughs> not, not now. Definitely not now. What's a book, film or show or podcast that's inspiring you right now? yours. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I have to say um, the whole uh, being a friend and center is not my thing. And you kept at it. You know, that's, like, just see what this chick is doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It is like just talking to her. Like when I see her on the street. Yeah. Yeah. Just, her, I like, okay. I could do this. Yeah. You could do this. I think that a lot of people feel that it's, it's a lot more like it's like a NPR or one of those. Um, but no, it's just, just a good conversation. I really want people to understand that they're, that, you know, there's so many people in birth and so many facets of birth and that we're, we all have these fascinating stories of how we came together and came to birth. And also that you have these options out here for, you know, all the, I have people who are like, their midwives still exist. And I'm like, yeah. They, they do like, you know, and like all of these things that we do around birth, chiropractor, acupuncture, cranial sacral, pelvic floor therapist, like, and, and that we're, we're out here as people of color as well in those facets of the birth world. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. What, what's a quote that inspires you or that you think about daily? I don't, I don't have um, a, a quote, but. My go-to person is Maya Angelou. Uh, yes. <laughs> Many times, like, you have to write a speech or write something. I was like, what would Maya, Maya say? Yes. <laughs> and, and I have, like, in my notes, I have, like, some of the famous ones that I tend to use or like. But I don't have anything. But um, just, you know, uh, something that I just try to always uh, stay present and try to uh, be conscious of is, you know, the good old prayer of serenity. Mm, you know? Yeah. Of this yeah. Kind of, just Can't you know, serenity doesn't do what you can, and yes. you know you can't change. Don't you know? Don't waste your time on that. Change what you can, and just keep you know, keep, keep living. Just keep it moving. Yeah, but Maya is one of my favorites as well. I was listening to something recently. I forgot what it was, and they were talking about um, Maya Angelou sat down with Dave Chappelle and had a conversation, and Dave had asked her. You know, like, what do you, what do you do when people, um, are saying all of these horrible things about you and it's your own people? And, and the person said that she said, um, I don't pick it up and I don't put it down. And I was like, yes, that, that is great. I could totally see that. And I was like, that's not mine. That's, you can't tell me anything about me, you know? So, so yeah, Maya's, it was an incredible, incredible. Yeah, totally. Thank you for sharing. That was really fascinating. I really enjoyed our conversation. It was yeah, really nice. It was very nice. Yes, I'm glad, I'm glad you agreed to do it. I'm really yeah, glad that you... Was like, when you first asked, I was like, maybe she'll just forget. <laughs> 
was like, oh, there you go. But then he was quiet. I was like, then I, you know, never saw you before. Exactly. I was like, I think I saw, I think I saw you once or twice before after, after, um, after that birth we had together, I saw you once or twice in the street, and I didn't realize that we lived so close to each other. Right. So, yeah, I was just like, like right there. I was right there, like, oh, I see you all the time now. It's so great to see you all the time. Also, the one question I do have is that, um, so do you still practice as a midwife? Okay, so, so after 17 marvelous years of doing homework, so, okay, so when I became a midwife, I worked in a hospital for two years. Mm-hmm. And then I um, also worked at Elizabeth Seton before it closed Mm -hmm. as I started up my home birth practice. So I had um, JJB midwifery from 2002 to last year. I got my birthing gloves. As in 2013, I started a nonprofit foundation for advancement of Haitian midwives uh, um, to promote uh, midwifery in Haiti. and so I really wanted to kind of do that full time. And so I still now do, I still, you know, I'm still a clinician. So it's like, I still do uh, GYN mostly for my clients. Mm-hmm. And now I'm getting a real round of, get this, my client's children. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have a teenage, oh, wow. teenage following wow. um, and some of their friends, mm-hmm. that, um, uh, which is really kind of nice to keep my, you know, clinical hand skills going and that kind of, uh, 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 you know, midwifery work. And so I'm just, I'm working as the executive director of uh, FAM, that we call it Foundation Advancement of Haitian Midwives full-time and um i'm enjoying it and like i said i like to try to think doing jjb midwifery straight was the longest thing i ever did in my whole life uh-huh. but i like the variety of uh, what you know what you can do with it um i know there are some a lot of home birth midwives that just do the births and not gyn mm-hmm. i always like the, the mix the of, continuity uh yeah. seeing you know diff- different aspects of women's health and, you know, women's health care and not just birth. I mean, birth is, you know, my baby, but yes. <laughs> I really yeah. love doing GYN too. And so, Fam, what, what exactly, um, I, I know I, you said you're the, you're, you're the director, um, but what services are you offering? What is... So what the what I found is you know I'm Haitian obviously you know you can tell by my name but um, what I found is um well Haiti's a country of about 11 million people with almost half being women mm-hmm. midwives are often the only point of uh, healthcare women to ever seek in her lifetime mm-hmm. so the way, you know midwives are in an optimal position to be that person so you know I think a lot of people think of midwives just as you know baby catchers. No, they, you know, health educators, they're part of the community. So they're in the optimal position to, for so many services. So Haiti has uh, one school of midwifery, and it has a nice midwifery association that um, has uh, chapters in all 10 departments of Haiti. So we do a lot of capacity building. We do a lot of, they identify they needed more continuing education. So we put on continuing education conferences. Now with the pandemic and everything else going on, we've been also committed to working around GBV, gender-based violence issues, which is a global issue. But um, uh, we're concentrating on, you know, Haiti and bringing people resources. And we had in 2018 a big co- training conference um, 
for the midwives, and we've since been doing follow-up focus work to really see what's going on in all 10 departments and how midwives can uh, uh, make more of a difference and help uh, change the system. And so this year, um, since we're not meeting in person for a a gender-based violence conference, we're putting on a set of four webinars from uh, about gender-based violence in Haiti in the Haitian cultural context. We have doctors, psychologists, sexologists, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, so it's a four-part series. Yesterday was the first one, and then the uh, 18th, the 24th, and December 2nd, because November 25th is International Day of Eradication of Gender-Based Violence, so we kind of go around that so that people really have the resources to uh, uh, rely on. And something else that I notice with, uh, I hate when people say global global health, mm-hmm. but um, healthcare in another country, whatever yeah. you want to call it, um, or people tend to not respect cultures and what's already there and as the people being experts on their own narrative. Yes. So our panelists, we, we really rely and um, try to um, insource as much as we can. And also for whether I'm there or not, like this year, like, oh, I didn't put on anything in person, um, it still functions. Yeah. So real sustainability means letting people decide what they need. Yeah and helping them get what they need without your judgment. You can um, introduce ideas. Like one time we were going to have a big leadership conference, and then they were like, Martine, you know, I had everything lined up. People are dying of cervical cancer. We need to, you know, need to do this. Da, da, da. So like, Oop, change it up. You know? it, yeah. um, and that's what it, it's more about, helping them mean their means, helping locals connect to other locals and helping with resources that way versus um, the or is you're up here and there down there, here. It's yeah. still not like that. Yeah. And we have so much to learn about our traditions that we've lost. Being, uh, Jasper, uh, excuse me, I never say that word in English, right? You said Diaspora? it. Diaspora. Oh, mm-hmm. Diaspora. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've uh-huh. lost some of our culture and um, knowledge that they have. So that interchanging of uh, ideas is really good. So I'm, um, the other thing that I noticed that um, it's really giving them their voice and their presence because in the country right now, they're under 400 midwives in the whole country, mm-hmm. which is not enough. And we need to you know, get more midwives out there mm-hmm. um, and let the public know because sometimes even here in the States, kind of midwives are always marketed towards like for poor people, it's yeah. for everybody. Yeah. And everybody. even, you know, some middle-class people here and in Haiti too, kind of like, I didn't know this was available. I didn't know what it was. And mm-hmm. like, I would have picked a doctor that showed up with all this cologne at the last minute. If yeah. I could have a midwife that was actually, you know, teaching me in every visit and, you know, do, do, you know, all the other stuff that we do. So it's a uh, really interesting. And this podcast too, I also made it a point that, it's, you know, all the speakers are Haitian. That yes. live in Haiti and actually do the work. Yeah. Like, we're better to tell our narrative. I'm, you know, a little bit uh, tired of seeing all these um, uh, advertisements about different topics. And there's no Haitian as yeah. part of it when it's about Haiti and Haitian. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't get it. Like, I would never go to Zambia and say I'm an expert on Zambian anything. Yeah. You know, and even yeah. me being Jasper, I'm not the expert on midwifery in Haiti. I'm not a midwife practicing in Haiti. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or just to see, you know, or that that sense of there's so many ways that you can help and going and being present or doing something is uh you're 
which I've looked sometimes with this volunteerism and tourist volunteerism yes. of what you're getting out of it, mm-hmm. or is it what are they getting out of it? You yeah, know, you know, you look good for yourself, or sometimes the well, savior friends will tell me, "When are you going to Haiti? I want to go." I'm like, "When I'm not working, yeah. and when I'm just there for vacation." There's like the best beaches in the world in Haiti, by the way, <laughs> um, yeah. and. But, you know, even me as a midwife, you know, me catching a baby in Haiti, why? Like I told you at the beginning of this podcast, I'm a diehard Upper West Sider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I love to go back and forth. You know, I can go like back and forth every month if I have to. But, you know, I'm, I'm in New York. I live here. It's not mm-hmm. going to help them. Yeah. So it's helping people help themselves so that they can stand on their own so that you're not needing to be that extra little backbone or that little helper for them. Yeah, thank you. That's that's really I'm going to make sure that I include your organization in the show notes as well because I think it I think people, you know, getting support and getting the word out there is really really helpful. Yeah. Thank you. No, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and 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 getting to speak to you outside of the streets of you know, the Upper West Side. I'm gonna have a Cuban sandwich. Hey. I, I know, right? Next time, next time I go grab a Cuban sandwich, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you a text message and be like, "You around? Grab a coffee." I really love the cafe con leche, though. That's my, uh, that's yeah. my favorite. Yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. favorite. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. It's just not painful at all. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. See, I told you. It was yeah, that's go- what I'm, I, I keep saying. Sometimes I've started some of your podcasts and I haven't, but recently I've been, I was like, now instead of listening to CNN as I'm going about my business, yeah. it's like, this is what I need to have in the background and listen to. Thank you. I appreciate Keep that. Thank Keep you. I really appreciate I will. I will. Thank you so much. Have a great Thank rest you. of your day. You too. All right. Talk soon. Gracias. Thanks for listening to the Clear Birth Podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find me on Instagram at the Clear Birth Podcast. If you want to send me an email, you can reach me at theclearbirthpodcast at gmail.com. Adios. Hasta luego. Goodbye. Until next time.